Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as we've mentioned today, we are beginning our sermon series called How Firm a Foundation. It'll go through the season of Epiphany all the way up to Transfiguration Sunday. In this season, we're going to walk through our epistle readings and it'll cover the first three chapters of Corinthians. We'll seek to better understand what the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthians. We won't be going through the whole letter, but it'll certainly set up the the premise of a lot of those things. And so as we understand what Paul was writing to the Corinthians, we'll also seek to better understand what this means for us today. Now, during these five weeks and starting next week, I'm going to issue a bit of a, a challenge, not a requirement by any means, but just an encouragement that while we're going through this series, that you would bring your own Bible to church with you, to bring it with you and to use it as we go through this. I think it'll be helpful because as we go through each chapter and as we consider the the lesson for the day, you'll see with your own eyes not only the, the words on the page, but also how it's all fitting together. I think that would be very beneficial. So I'd encourage you to do that starting next week. Now we have an overall theme for this series, but technically it doesn't show up until the last week of the series, but we're building toward this theme that we find in in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and so I'd like to read this verse together. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now I put this up there for us to read together at the risk of giving everything away, because this in a nutshell is what this series is all about. That when we think of the foundation of the world, when we think of the foundation of our own lives in this world, when we think of the foundation of our eternity, that there is nothing that is firm, nothing that will last, nothing upon which we can build anything except Jesus himself. And so with that in mind, we turn our attention to today, which starts us off with that firm foundation of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you do happen to have a Bible with you or a Bible app on your phone, I'd invite you to turn there. Again, if you don't have it with you, uh, no problem. I'd invite you to do so next week. But in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul begins his letter to the church in Corinth, and that's where our journey begins. Now, this was a letter, that's why it's called an epistle, written by an apostle of Jesus Christ to a group of Christians. And there's a reason why Paul is writing to them there in Corinth. And we're going to talk more about what the situation was that was going on in Corinth next week. We'll discuss some of the problems they were facing and, and how Paul is addressing them. But I want you to notice something significant today, which is that Paul doesn't start with all of their problems. Before he discusses anything else, any admonitions, any encouragements, any instructions, or what have you, he begins instead with their foundation. And so he writes, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right off the bat, Paul is identifying who is writing and to whom he is writing. Now, it's tempting anytime we're reading epistles like this in the Bible to just skim past those first few verses and the openings and such. 
It's easy to do, but I want us to to take some time with that to see how he is identifying both himself, Paul is identifying himself, and how he identifies those Christians in Corinth. First, Paul called. He is called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. So, in other words, Paul is not just some guy off the street who decides he wants to say something one day. No, this is the person charged by God to bring God's word to them. And then he writes to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called, there's that word again, called to be saints, to be holy ones. Now, remember the context here. Uh, in the city of Corinth, there would have, wouldn't have been just one church building where all the Christians met, like on the corner of Fifth and Main or something like that in Corinth. No, there would have been a series of house churches that were meeting, and all together, this letter would have been circulated among them so that they all could hear what Paul had to say. But all of them together, as well as all who were in the church, all Christians, they do make up the body of Christ. And this body of Christ, this church, it's not their church, it's the church of God. It exists because God made it exist, and every person in it. And so how did those Christians in Corinth get to be part of the church? Well, they were sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be saints. They were called to be holy ones, just as God called Paul to be an apostle the Christians in Corinth were called to be part of God's church. They didn't just up and decide to join a club one day. No, God had brought them there intentionally and made them holy by the blood of Jesus shed for them, just as he's done for all Christians, all those who, as Paul says, in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul, continuing on in verse 4, begins to offer thanks to God, which again is a typical way for him to uh, begin a letter of his. He thanks God for the Corinthians because of the grace of God that was given to them in Christ Jesus. He says, in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. Paul is recognizing that everything they think, everything they say, everything they do, has its beginning in the grace of God that is given to us in Christ Jesus. And the testimony about Christ, Paul goes on in verse 6, was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift. Paul is reminding them that the message of God that was shared with them, that brought them to faith about Jesus, has not only formed the foundation of their entire lives, but it has transformed everything about them. How they think, how they speak, how they live. Everything about their lives is based on that message that was brought to them. The word about Jesus. And so, as they're living their transformed lives, what is the the goal of their life, does Paul say? He says in verse 7, As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end guiltless, In the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the goal of our lives is that when Jesus returns, when Jesus is revealed to us in all his godly glory with all the company of heaven, proclaiming that it's Jesus who reigns forever and ever, the goal, our goal, is to stand before Jesus in that day and because we have been sustained to the end, to be found guiltless. And not guiltless because of how holy we were able to live in life, 
but because of how holy Jesus is for us. Remember what we heard back in verse 2, to those sanctified, those who have been made holy in Christ Jesus have been called to be saints, to be holy ones. But some might ask, well, how can I know for sure that I will stand before God guiltless? How do I know that all that Paul is talking about applies to me? The, the Apostle Paul says he's writing to holy ones, but, but I can look back over my life, over more times than I wish to count and know that I haven't lived a holy life. How can I possibly think I will stand before God without any guilt? You see, Paul addresses that in the very next verse, verse 9. You can know that this is for you because God is faithful. God is faithful. And when God says something will happen, it will happen. And God has called you to be his saint, his holy one, called into his church, into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Not because you deserve it, not because you have always been faithful, but because he is faithful for you. He has already removed all of your guilt in Jesus Christ on account of what Christ has done for you. And in exchange, Christ has given you his righteousness that he earned, that you could never deserve, and yet you have received by his grace. That is a lot of information to pack into nine verses. Again, like I said before, it can be tempting to skim these openings of epistles, thinking that somehow all the good stuff is somewhere in the middle. And, and there is a lot of good stuff in the middle. But there's a lot of good stuff in the beginning as well. In these first nine verses, Paul is preparing the Corinthians and preparing us over the next five weeks to hear everything else that he has to say. And so this is the foundation of his letter. And it's the foundation of our lives. It's the foundation of Jesus Christ. We hear these words along with the Corinthians and we realize that the testimony, the word about Jesus Christ has been confirmed among us also. We have been given it. It has brought us to faith. Our lives in Jesus began when he called us to be his saints, his holy ones, when he called us to be part of his church. And that took place in our baptism. And our lives ever since that day have been sustained by God's word as we gather around it, as we study it, as we receive it. And we'll continue to do this until the very end, until the last day, the day when Jesus comes again. Our foundation, just like the Corinthians, always has been, is now, and forever will be Jesus. Only Jesus. There would have been a very clear point made if you were reading these verses, especially these first nine verses. This is the opening again to Paul's letter to the Corinthians. So if you were a Corinthian listening to this, there kind of would have been a rhetorical impact in the words that Paul was sharing. If you have your Bibles, just skim your eyes over these first nine verses. Otherwise, just listen to this for a moment. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always because of the grace given to you in Christ Jesus, even as the testimony about 
Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I went through that extremely fast, obviously, but the point is the same. How could you not help but listen to those nine verses and hear the name over and over and over again? Paul is making it very clear. There's no missing it. There is only one foundation, and it is Jesus Christ. As our theme verse says, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is all about Jesus. Foundations are incredibly important. It's pretty clear why the Bible uses it as a metaphor so many times. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 7 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been built on the rock. Jesus says to Peter in Matthew 16, After Peter makes the great confession of Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus says, on this rock, on this confession of me, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Paul says elsewhere in the Bible, in Ephesians, he says, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. So you notice time and time again what the rock, the foundation, the cornerstone is in all of these passages. It is always Jesus and the faithful confession of Jesus as the Christ and as the Son of God. You know, God's Word is more than just a suggestion or a guidebook for a life well lived. God's Word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, reveals to us the testimony of who Jesus is. And as it does that, the Holy Spirit uses that word to create within us faith, to believe in Jesus. His word is continually strengthening our faith, sanctifying us, making us holy, so that we may live transformed lives. Every time we hear God's word, the Spirit is forgiving our sins and pointing us back to the foundation of Jesus. And so today... We, and honestly, every person should ask themselves, what is my foundation? What am I building my life upon? What kind of construction work is going on in my life? What foundation is under my feet? It's so easy for us to busy our days, to fill our days with building up false foundations of things that don't matter. We can spend years uh, and, and, and tons of effort just stacking brick after brick of things that we think will ultimately keep us safe. If I have this much money in the bank, then my future will be solid. If I work this many hours, then I'll finally get ahead. If I secure this many friends around me, then I'll finally feel loved. If I do this amount of good works, then God will finally be pleased with me. We can so easily lose sight of the true foundation of our lives. 
and it impacts everything and everyone around us. Our own church member, Mary Rose Kolsak, wrote an article at the end of December titled, If Your Kids Are Unhappy, Take Them to Church. I did warn her, by the way, that I was, I actually asked her if I could use uh, this, uh, but I warned her that I would embarrass her today. But her point in this article is well made, that after seeing what we're seeing today, which is the rise among young people, a rise of of confusion and lack of purpose and aimlessness and, and feelings of unhappiness and depression and anxiety and a host of other things that are on the rise today, is it any wonder that all of it coincides with record low church attendance? But on the flip side, the ones who tend to be the most stable with dealing with these pressures and these attacks are the ones whose families are regularly regularly in church. And Mary Rose does an excellent job in her article, by the way, that it's not just attending church as if you're checking something off on a to-do list before God, but rather that young people, like all of us, need somewhere to lay down our burdens, our sins, our anxieties, our failings. And those who happen to be in church know and are being instructed in what to do with them. We are able to lay them at Jesus' feet, at the feet of the Savior who is willingly bearing all of those things to the cross for us. But those who do not know him, those who do not have him, They have nowhere else to turn with these things, only to themselves. And so they lay it upon their own backs and upon their own shoulders until they are ultimately weighed down by them. Of course, this is not only true with young people. We all need the forgiveness of sins that Jesus brings. We all need the mercy and grace he freely gives. We all need the invitations to lay our burdens at his feet, to cast our cares upon him. Every person on earth can spend all of their time building up all the things in their lives that they think matter. They can live their lives in countless different ways. But what we hear today is that none of that will amount to anything if it's not first and foremost founded upon Jesus. After all, when all the facades and the walls are are stripped away, when everything is taken away and nothing else is left, when we stand before God on that final day as we truly are, the only thing that will matter is what is under our feet. And that's what Paul in his letter to the Corinthians is pointing us towards today. That our lives are not about what we think we can build in our lifetime. Our lives instead are all about what has already been provided for us, what has already been built for us in Jesus Christ. Jesus came down from heaven for you. Jesus died for your sins. Jesus rose again and is alive today to give you eternal life, and Jesus will one day return again. And when he does, he will find you guiltless. And not guiltless because you're not a sinner, because you are, and so am I. But we will be found guiltless in that day because Jesus, as we heard John the Baptist proclaim, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that is a rock-solid foundation upon which we stand. 
It's a foundation that is delivered to us and strengthened every week as we gather here at Christ our King to receive once again God's word and sacrament. And we keep doing this week after week because we need it, because we need to hear all about Jesus. We need to hear our sins forgiven. We need to be strengthened by him. And we keep doing this until the day when he returns again in the last day. Next Sunday, as Steve announced in our announcements, we will be meeting as a congregation after this service. We're going to be taking some time to talk about how it is. We are looking ahead and beginning some plans, looking toward the future and seeing where God is leading us, all with his help and direction, of course. I'd like to ask each, one, each and every one of you to be there next week. But we also realize here at Christ our King that that before we can do one ounce of planning, before we can do any work that yields one bit of good fruit, none of that would be possible if we weren't first and foremost founded upon Jesus and his grace delivered to us. But because we do have that foundation provided by our Lord Jesus, it does allow us then to springboard into the work that he's called us to do. And that means that we can enjoy planning for and accomplishing the work that he's given us to do, knowing that it's Jesus who is the one sustaining us every step of the way. Because Jesus is faithful, our lives are built upon his love and his forgiveness and his life. And we can go forward confidently knowing that the foundation under our feet is truly firm in his name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our firm foundation. Amen.